Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Thursday edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for joining in today. We really appreciate you and appreciate all of our listeners. Speaking of appreciation, if you love the content that we're producing, could you take a moment and give us a five-star rating? We would love for you to do that. It really helps when people are searching for content and podcasts, specifically when it comes to Alaska. Also, if you want to take that extra step, if you want to do a written review, that would be amazing. We love your feedback. We love all the positivity that you've shared with us. It really is incredible, and we read and take into consideration every one of those. So thank you, and again, five-star rating just helps us out tremendously. Well, we are just about a week away from Christmas right now, and so the holidays are kicking up. They are incredibly busy, and that really leads us into what we're calling the Day of Reckoning. That's when December 19th, about 100 businesses are going to open in defiance of the mayor's, the acting mayor's, emergency order that was enacted on December 1st. This is a huge story. This is one that we should all be watching out for, particularly as Saturday comes upon us, which is only a couple days away. Now, a group calling itself the Anchorage Business Coalition is sort of the, the groundwork group for this. And it's the first time since emergency orders have been in place and since hunker downs have been enacted that a group of this size is deciding to open together. Keep in mind, this is going to be a hundred businesses across industries. We're talking restaurants. We're talking gyms. We're talking shops. We're, I mean, it is not just one industry. It is across the board, which is going to be pretty exceptional to watch and see what exactly happens at this point. As many of you know, on December 1st, the emergency order 16 went into place and without really just kind of bringing down and breaking down everything that it meant in terms of what you can and can't do, essentially, essentially what it did is it really handicapped businesses across the board from gaining any kind of economic value during the holiday season. We're talking limitations on capacity size. We're talking shutdown of entire restaurants in that industry and really relegating them to delivery and pickup services at all. Meanwhile, meanwhile, big box stores, national stores have been able to continue to operate as necessary and see fit without really much to do with these with these orders. I mean, you may have to put a mask on when you're in the store, but I mean even that's a little dicey as well. So there is a lot going on this Saturday. And again, it's really important to understand the economic impact that this is going to have and and what the emergency orders really meant 
for small businesses in Anchorage. It essentially, it essentially put a death warrant on many businesses here in town. And the reason why this is so impactful is that a group of business owners have gotten together and said, enough is enough. You cannot continue to infringe on our ability to make a living and wages. You just can't. Not only are we suffering as business owners, but our, our employees are now going to suffer as well. And so on December 19th, there is going to be this grand opening, and it's going to be called the Day of Reckoning. And there's a lot of groundswell within residents here in Anchorage about really taking the time out, visiting these businesses, and supporting them locally. Now, much of the response to this was because Anchorage residents were either spending a lot of their money online, Amazon, uh, Target Online, wherever it was, they were spending their money online and getting them either mailed to deliver to their house or going picking up. There's a lot of big box stores that are doing delivery service at the store itself. But also a lot of Anchorage residents were going to the Valley to spend their money because in the Valley, things are still open. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to wear or not wear a mask in a lot of these stores. And you can also go to restaurants and eat. And I think we took that for advantage here in Anchorage with these hunker downs. And so a lot of Anchorage residents have decided to pack up, get in the car, go to the valley, and use their money, which could have stayed locally, and spent it in the valley. And I think as Anchorage business owners looked around and saw the landscape of what was going on, the decision was made, hey, we're dying here. We have been handcuffed, both with how we can operate in our economic capacity and we, can, can't, we just can't do it anymore. We can't afford it. There have been businesses that are closing left and right. Local businesses. Meanwhile, like we said before, you have Target, you have Costco, you have Fred Meyer, you have Cars. Uh, all those businesses, those big box national chains are, are left open. With the only probably mandate for many of them is to wear a mask. So why can't smaller businesses, why can't restaurants require the same? That's really the question, and it's a lot of, there is really some resentment and frustration within town and amongst the business owners as to why that was allowed. There really was. And, and it's not just, like I said, the, the industries involved in this opening process, this day of reckoning, are not just restaurants. There's goods and service industries that are there that are, are similar to the big box stores, but don't have the national chain and the backing to keep them open. And so the question really remains is what is this going to look like? And more importantly, more importantly, there are a couple of other long-term questions that need to be asked and possibly answered. And that is uh, if the day of reckoning this December 19th on Saturday, if this event opening businesses works, how many more will jump on board? How many more will continue to stay closed versus how many will say, you know what? What do we have to lose? We're going to be closing anyways. We can't afford to stay closed. We might as well try to stay open. And within that, how much of the mayors, the acting mayors, uh, code enforcers are going to be able to get out and find these businesses and, and shut them down? It's going to be a lot of work for these code enforcers. So the reality is, is that by having such a large group of business owners decide together to open, could, could open the door for others to join in as they see what the ramifications or lack thereof uh, happen after the 19th. Long-term, will this also affect the assembly's decision to extend 
the acting mayor's emergency powers. If they see an active resistance by hundreds of businesses to, to just open, disregard the emergency orders, will this in effect influence the assembly's decision-making process whether or not to open, excuse me, whether or not to extend or actually cut off the acting mayor's emergency powers. And I think this is a really, really key issue that we need to chime in on here. The fact that there is going to be peaceful, active disobedience to these emergency powers by local businesses. And if this continues and there's a snowball effect of more and more businesses deciding that, you know what, I might as well do this because the other option is just closing I would assume that the assembly would have to take a strong look at their position on extending or not emergency powers based on what the acts of civil disobedience by our local business owners and residents looks like. You can't ignore the fact that if you have thousands and tens of thousands of residents visiting these stores and supporting them with their money, that the assembly would have to look at that just from a political point and say, you know what, we can't afford politically, let alone economically, to continue to extend emergency powers that could possibly lead to a shutdown again. Because it's not going to happen. Once civil disobedience happens, it only intensifies from there. So this is going to be an extremely interesting case study into what will happen, not only in terms of the businesses here locally, but that effect politically on the assembly because in 2022 there are number of assembly seats up and the question then remains the longest term question is will the resentment will the disobedience and will the memory of what happened during this pandemic either extend to that point or will that feeling and memory and and frustration and all those emotions actually bleed into that election cycle. I totally believe, I absolutely believe that the ramifications of what's happening now in terms of Anchorage and its residents and its businesses are going to have a major effect, a major effect on the Anchorage mayor race. I I absolutely believe that. How can it not? How can not the actions of the current assembly and the acting mayor and her administration not bleed over into that race. It just won't happen. It is going to happen. And so you've already got two candidates, Forrest Dunbar, who is inextricably linked to the assembly, involved in that race. And so I believe there's going to be political ramifications come uh, come next year when, when the mayor race is, is actually in full swing and happening and the heat of it is on. The weight of that will hang over some of these candidates. But what really is important is when the assembly seats are up. And can people hold on and remember all of the ramifications that took place in 2020 in 2022? And that's really the, the long-term political question that remains. Is are people going to remember exactly what happened in 2020 in the ramifications economically, socially, politically, all of that, emotionally, spiritually, all of that wrapped in the one. Do they remember that when it comes time to uh, endorse, support candidates 
uh, when the assembly seats are up? Because I think that's an important question that we need to ask. And really those uh, individuals and in residents need to remember during those times, particularly during that time in 2022. So that it's, it's really interesting. The ramifications of this day of reckoning have a ripple effect beyond just December 19th. There are a lot of questions. There's also a lot of political um, dominoes that could take place based on this civil disobedience. And so if I'm recommending that you watch this and see where this, this could lead to, because again, this is the first time that we've seen major political, economical resistance to, to the mayor's administration, the acting mayor's administration and the assembly. Now, there have been residents who have had uh, protests and, and have resisted civilly to many of the emergency orders during the summertime. There was a lot going on at the Lusack Library. But this is really the first time that the business community has really dug in and said, this is a hill we're going to die on. So again, a lot of political ramifications, a lot of questions moving forward, and a lot of just wait and see what is going to happen. But unlike waiting and seeing for December 19th and the Day of Reckoning and and what that's going to look like, the Anchorage municipality did not wait nor see when they purchased the Golden Lion Hotel. That's right. Your AO66 ordinance is now in full effect as the Anchorage Assembly decided to purchase the Golden Lion Hotel for roughly $9.3 million of CARES Act money. I cannot stress the tone-deaf lack of self-awareness that this administration and this assembly have at this moment. The gall and fortitude that it would take in the middle of an economic meltdown in Anchorage to then take CARES Act money that should have been allocated to other buckets like small business relief, mortgage and rent relief, $9.3 million was used to spend to purchase the Golden Lion Hotel, which will then need further renovations and fixes. And that money is going to come from the MLNP sale. Talk about just an absolute disaster when it comes to both politics and public relations. I am not sure what this assembly is thinking. I'm not sure what this acting mayor's administration is thinking. But man... What a terrible time to do this. What a terrible time to do this. And I'm not sure if the funds and the timeline for which funds need to be spended actually took precedent in this, but just a PR nightmare. You've got businesses, you've got families, you've got individuals who are not just out of work, but can't afford their rent, can't afford to pay their bills, can't afford to do many things. But the assembly is going to spend $9.3 million on a building that can't even be used yet because it needs to be retrofitted and repaired. For homeless and substance abuse services. So the mayor said that the center is going to be called the Alaska Center for Treatment. Real original. And it's going to focus on services for alcohol uh, challenges, alcohol problems, alcoholics, alcoholism. I mean, just an absolute amazing lack of self-awareness. 
Right now, they decided to do that. And again, I don't know if it has something to do with the time frame and the timeline that uh, states and, and local uh, local governments have to actually spend CARES Act money. But man, what talk about an absolute disaster. And it really boils down to the question again, is that will Anchorage residents who actively fought against AO66, which was the ordinance that enabled the municipality to use CARES Act money to purchase buildings. And this is one of a couple more that are going to be purchased. Are, are, are Anchorage residents going to remember that? And that will have ramifications, or will it have ramifications politically moving down the road at certain elections? Obviously, like we said, next year, 2021, we're going to have a mayoral election, um, the Anchorage mayor election. We're going to have that. 2022, we obviously have assembly seats that are going to be up. And I think that's really the big question as we look through 2020 and, and all the ramifications of the, the economic shutdowns, uh, the decisions to close the assembly meetings, to public testimony, and you had to you had to call in or write in. All of these um, these bumps in the road, all of these political uh, decisions, what it felt like, or or these decisions that caused uh, people to be furious, angry, upset. Uh, have protests in the Lusak Library. Everything that happened, are residents going to remember that when it comes time to vote? That is the real question, and it's yet to be determined exactly what that's going to look like. But it's important for us to remember that all of these, all of these things that are happening, the passing of ordinances when when the assembly was closed, the the idea that that protesters who were not on the, quote, correct political spectrum were called rioters, uh, were, were labeled as, as such, were, were asked to be called, uh, police were asked to be called on them. And, and again, this is all that happened at the Lusak Library, uh, assembly members asking if there was riot, rioters outside, if we should call the, the police on them. All of this is going to lead into these these races, these political races, and these uh, these seats in office. And so my question is: is I wonder how much of the carryover of this year is going to play in 2021 and 2022? And it's really the political question that needs to be asked. It really is the political question that needs to be asked. So again, the municipality is now the proud owner of the Golden Lion Hotel, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, not only just how much, again, $9.3 million it was to purchase and how much it's going to cost for renovations, but also long-term, what's the overhead on these facilities? And how much of that burden is going to come to the taxpayers? It'll be interesting to see. Well, finally, we're going to head on down to the Kenai Peninsula where parents are calling for families on the peninsula to strike until schools open up. And when they meet by strike is pull their student out of the district. I think at this point, parents are fed up with what is perceived as subpar education in the way it's being administered. And so the Kenai Peninsula has had enough. Parents have had enough on there. And I, I don't blame them. I, again, it's anecdotal. But I know of many parents here in Anchorage that are just not thrilled with not only the delivery of education 
through distance learning, but also the retention of knowledge for their, their children. I mean, we're talking about kindergarten, one-year-olds, all the way up to 18-year-olds learning from distance learning. Meanwhile, they're really missing out on the social and emotional interactions that are needed, both with their teacher and their students, that are so vital when you're in an educational background and platform and in, in, in setting. Like those are instrumental just as much as the actual teaching and learning. So the question really is, is exactly how fed up are parents to the point of as the Kenai Peninsula is calling for families to strike, to pull their kids out? So what's the importance of this? Well, there's a couple things. I think it adds political pressure to the borough here in Kenai to come up with either a solution and or open the schools up for these kids. I think parents are trying to put economic and political pressure on these these school districts to open up, to stop messing around, get their kids in the classroom, and get them learning. I did say economic, and here's what I mean by that. When you're looking at a school budget, school budgets are generally based on enrollment. And so if you're pulling kids out of the district, you're actually decreasing their enrollment, which in effect really has ramifications on the school's fundings, the district's fundings. So now we have an economic component to this that is going to create some more political pressure on these, on these school boards and these boroughs to make decisions that are in the best interest of the student, not just the union. And let's just put it out there. That's the deal. That's the deal. That's another podcast coming up too, by the way. But that really is the point. And so these parents are tired. They're, and again, you can only imagine coming home and seeing your kid from 8 o'clock in the morning or, or whenever, all throughout the day, looking at a computer screen, trying to engage into a Zoom conversation or whatever platform they're using with other students. Can you? I can't even imagine a six-year-old trying to do that. And not only that, but also have enough attention span to retain what they need to retain. Let alone six-year-old. Think about a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old. So I'm fairly certain that these parents are seeing just how diminished the returns on this investment are when it comes to how this education is being delivered and the retention of it. And so now the Kenai Peninsula is, is seeking to ask parents to strike, pull their kids out, put some pressure on the school district, put some pressure on the borough. We'll see if that works. Uh, I, I, it'll be interesting. And if, and if the Kenai can make this work, then I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's going to happen elsewhere. That's what I'm really wanting. I'm wondering what's going to happen elsewhere. Well, as we close down the show today, I just want to let you know that I appreciate every listener and every reader to Must Read Alaska. It's always a pleasure to, to read your comments, uh, to, to see your suggestions, and also just know that we have your support. As we head into the holiday season, uh, I just want to let you know that we appreciate every one of you. Uh, it does not go by us just how much you guys have supported the, uh, the Must Read Alaska website and its content. Uh, including the YouTube page and the Facebook 
uh, as well. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet, head over to facebook.com slash mustreadalaska. Give us a like and head over to youtube.com slash mustreadalaska and subscribe and hit that notification bell as well. Whenever we put up new content, it'll let you know right away. Uh, I want to encourage you this holiday season to remember how wonderful it is to have family around, whether they're here in Alaska or you know, somewhere else in the lower 48 or around the world. Uh, make sure you let them know how much you appreciate them because it's most important now more than ever. I think if 2020 has, has uh, taught us anything is that nothing is for sure and that I, I just want to let you know that I appreciate all of you and, and in turn, let somebody else know that you appreciate them as well. Well, I want to thank Suzanne Downing, and I want to thank John Quick. It's an incredible team we work with here at Must Read Alaska. They are incredible people, and they definitely make this whole operation run, and I'm just along for the ride. So I appreciate being, uh, being able to jump on the bus and the bandwagon and, and move forward with them. And from me to you, have a great holiday season, and, uh, and make sure that you tune in this Tuesday to the Tuesday edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast, and I will try to get one out next week, but it is going to be crazy. If anything, I just want to let you know I appreciate you, and take care. <laughs>